0: I think what they lose sight of is in the end, they're not thinking about you and me, they're not thinking about the United States or the country they serve, they're thinking about themselves.
1: I am a husband, a father, a lawyer, a Christian, and a proud Canadian. I started this series because it was clear that our nation needs truth. Not just another biased narrative, but real information of substance. We need access to facts and the freedom to think for ourselves. I'm Leighton Gray, and this is Gray Matter. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Gray Matter. Well, as followers of the show will know, we've been very blessed to have some really extraordinary scientific minds and medical people on the show. And today is no exception. Uh, what we who we have on the on the show today is perhaps the leading person in terms of uh, speaking out and documenting uh, COVID vaccine harms. And his name is Dr. Peter McCullough. Uh, as you know, uh, we've had other doctors on the show, including Dr. Roger Hodkinson, uh, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, uh, esteemed epidemiologist and one of the writers of the Great Barrington Declaration, Dr. Eric Payne uh, of Alberta, Dr. William Mackess, um Dr. Robert Malone. And we've even (laughs) given a a shout out to the other side. We've had Dr. Paul Offit on the show. uh, And most people didn't like what he had to say. I think they're going to like what Dr. McCullough has to say a lot more. In any case, welcome to the show, uh, Dr. McCullough. It's great to have you on. I've been looking forward to talking with you for some time. Well, thanks for having me. Great. So um, I'm going to do a little bit of an introduction to you just for people, the few people who are not among your nearly million Twitter followers. Before we do that, as we always do on this show, uh, we have a few aphorisms just to frame our discussion. Uh, The first one is from uh, your former president, perhaps future president, uh, depending how many times they decide to indict him. That's uh, President Trump, uh, who said, uh, we will distribute a vaccine, we will defeat the virus, which I've always found to be a strange phrase, and we will end the pandemic. Uh, Secondly, from Pope Francis, who said, thanks to God's grace and to the work of many We now have vaccines to protect us from COVID-19. And then, of course, uh, from uh, from Tedros Ghebreyes, uh, who is the head of the WHO, he said uh, that I would like to assure the public that WHO will not endorse a vaccine that is not safe and effective. Of course, this topic could not be introduced without speaking to the the fountainhead of science himself. Uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who said, quote, we are aligned in this battle against misinformation and disinformation that jeopardizes the health of people everywhere, but also our civil rights and our democracy. Throughout my career, I have always upheld the truth. <laughs> it is a moral principle ingrained in me. I sorry, I had to giggle when I read that part about truth because uh, I happened to be a, a, a Christian and there's that Part of the gospel is a conversation between Christ and Pontius Pilate about that topic. Anyway, who do we have on the show today? Well, we're very, very blessed to have Dr. Peter McCullough here. He is a renowned internist, cardiologist, and epidemiologist. He has been a leader in the medical response to the COVID-19 disaster. Uh, And uh, he's also uh, the chief scientific officer of the wellness company, which we're going to talk about today and he manages common infectious diseases, as well as the cardiovascular complications of both the viral infection and the injuries developed after the COVID-19 vaccine uh, out of Dallas, Texas, USA. Since the outset of the pandemic, Dr. McCullough has been a leader in this medical response to the COVID-19 disaster, and he's published a pathophysiological basis and rationale for early patient treatment of SARS COVID-19 infection, the first synthesis of sequent multi-drug treatment of ambulatory patients infected with SARS-CoV-2-19 in the American Journal of Medicine, and he subsequently updated in reviews in cardiovascular medicine. He has dozens of peer-reviewed publications on the infection and has commented extensively on the medical response to the COVID-19 crisis. He has been published in uh, The Hill, uh, uh, America Out Loud. Newsmax, Victory Channel, Real America's Voice, ABC, and Fox News Channel. Uh, He also testified in the U.S. Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs and co-moderated two U.S. Senate panels on COVID-19 therapy and vaccines. He's testified in the Texas Senate Committee on Health and Human Services, Colorado General Assembly, uh, New Hampshire Senate, Pennsylvania Senate, South Carolina Senate, concerning many aspects of the COVID pandemic response. And Dr. McCullough has had three years of dedicated academic and clinical efforts in combating the SARS-CoV virus, and also doing so has reviewed thousands of reports, participated in scientific uh, congresses, sorry, group discussions, press releases, and has been considered among the world's experts on COVID-19. Wow, what a resume. Uh, Welcome to the show, Dr. McCullough. Where do we begin with you? I'd like to start with you, if you don't mind, uh, with kind of a, I guess, a, a controversial appearance that you made on the Joe Rogan uh, program, which sort of, uh, I would say, sort of vaulted you uh, into the public sphere and made you very well known. Um, and and during that uh, that interview, in which I watched, um, it spans about two hours and 45 minutes. Um, it was alleged afterwards that you made a series of multiple inaccurate, misleading, unsubstantiated claims about COVID-19. It seems as though history though has, uh, has, has proved you ultimately right. Would you agree?
0: You know, it turns out the Rogan interview was pretty late to the party. People always point to that, but uh, in March of 2020, I had one of the first FDA new drug applications to to address the the pandemic. I uh, had published the first uh, paper showing doctors how to treat the illness, prevent hospitalization and death in August of 2020, one of the most widely read papers in the whole entire pandemic. I had authored uh, and assisted the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons on the first home treatment guide in October of 2020. And then I was the lead witness in the US Senate testimony uh, on early treatment, bringing America the news that we could treat the illness November 19th of 2020. Uh, I testified in the Texas Senate in March of 2021, expressed great concerns regarding the safety of the vaccines just a few months after being out. And then I had a breakout interview with Tucker Carlson in May of 2021.
1: Right. I saw that. That, 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 that
0: basically sent Tucker on, a, on a, over a two-year <laughs> sojourn down this pathway then rogan comes in in december of 2021 so the first question about rogan is why was he so late to the party <laughs> and so you know the, the, i give rogan two options i said either he's just asleep at the wheel he doesn't know what's going on or he was afraid
1: yeah
0: and it, i don't know which one it was i can just tell you when i finished with rogan he looked like uh, you know, he looked like he he needed a change uh, in clothes or something. He, <laughs> he, he looked like he's scared to death of what's going to happen. I, I told the Spotify producers, I, still, I said, listen, I'm bringing all the data, bringing all my slides and show all Spotify producers. that You know, when I finished with Rogan and set all the records he's ever had in his show, He Elon Musk went all the way up to, to Spotify, uh, Neil Young, uh, Prince Harry, uh, president Biden, Jen Psaki in the White House. I messaged Jen Psaki. I said, "Listen, if there's any problems with anything I said, I said I'd be happy to come and review all the safety data with the president." Mm-hmm. Oh no, no, it's not needed. Uh, no, uh, the problems with Rogan, not with you. You know, our transcript came out on this. You know that. You know the number one term we talked about was monoclonal antibodies, safe and effective. Operation Warp Speed. No one had any thing to say about that interview outside it was spot on. Now, the one uh, interesting aspect of it is the interview with Rogan occurred on December 8th of 2021. The CDC broke the news on December 10th, 2021, two days later, that the Omicron variant broke through natural immunity. And uh, people said, well, you can't get it twice. I said, that was true with the prior variants. And that night I went on national TV, I addressed the nation and i told on fox news i said listen the virus has changed and you can get it a second time so get ready so uh, yeah, i've been spot on all the way through i mean, you just made a whole series of comments regarding former president trump and tedros and all these people saying all these things which are regrettable right
1: yeah yeah
0: could you find a single regrettable thing that i've said
1: no in fact one of the things i want to ask you about is Uh, one of the things you said on the Rogan program uh, was that uh, there was an intentional, very comprehensive suppression of early treatment in order to promote fear, suffering, isolation, hospitalization, and death. And it seemed to be completely organized and intentional in order to create an acceptance for and then promote max vaccination. And you also said that it's pretty clear that the pandemic was planned so my question for you doctor is why were you so certain about these conclusions obviously these were very controversial at the time mm. still disputed now i i happen to agree with you i think you're you're bang on mm. based upon what the, the you know what i know which doesn't even begin to approach what you do about the pandemic but why were you so sure about these things what made you so certain well i was not only really sure
0: about them i put them in writing
1: Right. I published a
0: book, a five-star bestseller, Courage to Face COVID-19, it's nonfiction. We lay yeah. this out. This is clear now, and it's got 300 citations. There is a biopharmaceutical complex. There is a syndicate that's formed. They've met for years in Davos, Switzerland, at the World Economic Forum meetings They're some of the most powerful people all over the world. They include the World Economic Forum, World Health Organization, Rockefeller Foundation, uh, the Wellcome Trust, Gates Foundation, the Vaccine Incubator, CEPI, Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovation, which Gates and WF formed, uh, the regulatory agencies, CDC, NIH, FDA, the uh, MHRA in England, Health Canada, TGA in Australia, SAFRA in South Africa, EMA. They're all tightly linked now through this mechanism, the suppliers, vaccine companies, other biopharmaceutical, biodefense suppliers, you'll see nearly all the key players in this at the World Economic Forum. And uh, they've been at work now easily since, I'd say probably the first landmark is 2006, where HHS and Congress wrote the PREP Act in the United States. The PREP Act says we're going to have a pandemic. We're going to have a biological threat. And when we do, it's going to be a national security operation. And we're going to behave like we're invaded by a, uh, you know, an adversarial force, in this case, a, a virus or a fungal spore bacteria. And then we're going to have countermeasures. And there's going to be broad protections uh, against any, you know, immunity, any liability for these countermeasures, and they're going to be supported with unprecedented executive powers. That's all laid out in 2006. And then since 2012 forward, as chronicled in the timeline by Peter Bregan in the book COVID-19 and the global yes Press.
1: Yeah, yes. that's on our reading list. Great book.
0: Right. it's There's 36 pandemic preparedness planning events, 36 of them since 2012. Great. 25 have written documents. You can just read them. So again, you know, you ask me how I'm so sure I just read them. And then six of them are filmed. You can just watch them. That's how that's how one is very sure that this is planned. Just watch the pandemic preparedness planning events. One of the most notable ones is Event 201 carried out in the fall of 2019. All the players are there U.S. Senators. Uh, Avril Levine, who's the current director of national intelligence for the United States, she's there and she's paired up with George Gao, the head of the Chinese CDC, and you know what scenario they had in Event 201? How do they cover up the uh, the emergence of the virus from the Wuhan lab? That's in Event 201. That's the fall of 2019. So, so this was all laid out. You know, one of the interesting things about this whole thing is all in the open. There's no there's no conspiracy theories here. We're just simply laying out the facts.
1: Well, l- let me ask you this. We had we had Paul Offit on the show. I'm sure you're familiar with him. And uh, he's patented some vaccines, as as you probably know. And, uh, you know, I put all of the quote-unquote conspiracy theories, which are obviously no longer conspiracy theories, put to him, and I could not make a dent. He's convinced that these vac. in fact, he said the, these vaccines are the greatest medical miracle ever. That's what he said about the COVID-19 vaccine. Why are people like Paul Offit, so certain that they are right and you are wrong is could it be that they are that captured uh, by this uh, biomedical um, what did you call it Biometric medical conspiracy uh no, it's a bi- complex
0: complex right right
1: right, right. What, are, they, are they just captured by that or how could they be so convinced that they are right understanding that you know there isn't any ever any real consensus in science but but why are they so sure that you're wrong and they're right
0: Well, there's simply our data and two or more important, you know, viewpoints on things, right? So, um, you know, the FDA says they cause myocarditis. They said it in June of 2021. Now, over a year later, often comes out and says, there's a link between the vaccines and myocarditis over a year later. Yeah. So so to me, that seems like bias so you may ask, well, why is he so enthusiastic? The answer is bias. And bias (laughs) is not a good thing in medicine. So why would someone like him be biased, you know, to to making an incorrect conclusion? Uh, Number one is, uh, it's very possible his entire career is dependent on promoting vaccines. Uh And, uh, you know, he's on the vaccine uh, advisory panel for the FDA his entire research portfolio of grants may depend on vaccines, mine doesn't. Uh, The limited publications he has is on vaccines. So so if your entire career is depending on something and to view it in a favorable light, let, let me add the kicker. Let's say he's afraid of COVID and he took the vaccines himself. Okay, now we got a problem now he can't be objective because he's taking the vaccines so as the vaccines you know roll out and we're seeing blood clots and heart damage and neurologic damage and stroke and all these problems you can imagine the sheer terror that's in his mind Mm -hmm. he can't be objective now
1: because Mm -hmm. these vaccines are circulating in his bloodstream yeah yeah that and that that problem is probably not particular to him that probably applies to a great many millions of people who have taken these vaccines and are sort of walking around in disbelief. Uh, one of the toughest things to get people to do is to admit that they made a mistake or that they went wrong or that they've been duped. And that that may be part of the reason why all the, as you say, all this data is out there and yet there's still so much, let, let, let's call it resistance to the, to the truth. The, would you agree with that assessment?
0: It's true. I think the only people who can give a fair assessment of this is people whose careers are not dependent on vaccines and people who didn't take the shots. They're the only ones that can give an un, uh, unbiased opinion. Uh, well, you know, well, it, I got my like, hand up then. <laughs> it, well, do, do you know what I mean? It's like, um, uh, let's say I'm trying to give an opinion on a pacemaker. Well, if I yeah. got the pacemaker installed, I'm not going to be objective about it. Right. I mean, I got to believe that pacemaker is is doing a good thing in my chest. So, you know, this is a simple form of bias. You'll see it a lot when you talk to people in general. Like, let's say you talk to people at work or at church or school and they'll say, you know what? I don't want to talk about it. You'll say, listen, I'm kind of concerned about all the people, you know, dying after the vaccines. I don't want to talk about that. That's a signal that they probably took the shots themselves. Uh, You know, if someone is following the government schedule, They're on their seventh shot right now. Do you know any public figure that's come out and said they took seven shots?
1: No. No.
0: No. Not even President Trump, not Biden, not Harris, not Trudeau. No one has said they've taken seven shots. Not even Offit has said he's taken seven shots.
1: Why? Well, you know, one of the people who appears to have taken the shots, and this is a very high profile person that, uh, that, uh, that apparently you've been working with is the famous actor, Jamie Fox. Uh, and it, it appears that uh, it was reported that he's asked you for advice about his own health, that he suffered uh, a very severe, very severe series of health problems re- re- connected to the vaccines. Are you at Liberty to talk about that case a little bit? Cause I know this is one that's very topical because he has many millions of, of fans.
0: Jamie's a great guy. He sought me out. We had a conversation back in December of 2021. He wanted to take pictures, and which is true. I've met a lot of celebrities. You know, I've had Eric Clapton came over to my house. I just a lot of people have wanted to get to know me, and that's all great. But you know, Jamie clearly knew the risks of the vaccines. I don't know what happened to him firsthand, but Hollywood Reporter AJ Benza, close to the circumstances, said that you know Jamie you know, after I had talked to him, uh, was looking at a movie and uh, they forced him to take the shot. And that he's suffered some form of a stroke. Uh, he literally didn't talk to anybody for months. He uh, emerged. Uh, he looked very sick, very pale, lost all his muscle mass. He said he had tubes in him. Uh, I presume that's a feeding tube and a tracheostomy tube, which would happen in a devastating stroke. Uh, you know, I tweeted out to him and his family said, hey, praying for you, you know, I hope you held strong in what we talked about. And Jamie has not shown the courage to tell people what his diagnosis is and did he take the shot?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and the same thing applies to Justin Bieber and to, you know, Kirk Herbstreet and L. Roker and, you um, uh, Bruce Arians, and we can just go down yeah. the list. De- uh, Deion, Tor- Sanders, had a,
1: Deion with, Sanders had a bunch of these clots removed from his yeah, from Deion his leg.
0: Sanders, Tory yeah. Kelly, you know, we can go on and on and on. The one thing they won't say is they won't say they didn't take the shot. And mm-hmm. they quickly fade from the public view. You'll see this over and over again. Most recently, the son of uh, famed basketball player LeBron James, Bronny right. James. Although yes. I think that was a near miss. I don't think he had a full cardiac arrest. I was on the media right away, and I told people, "Listen, you know, no shock, uh, no report of, of of you know intubation. He was in and out of the ICU in a couple hours. He's home the next day. That wasn't a full blown cardiac arrest." But we have an important paper that has received a lot of attention, and that's on all the autopsies done that have come in case by case by case through the right. medical right. literature. Did you hear about that?
1: I have heard about that in in, in, in my home province of Alberta. In fact, and, and this data is suppressed, but um, in terms of the the connection between the, the vaccines and deaths, but the number one cause of death in Alberta now for the second straight year uh, is unknown causes. Uh, and it's outstripping everything else, cancer, heart disease, everything. But no one no one can speak out and, and say and say that in fact it's, it's connected to these causes. Some very brave doctors like uh, Dr. William Macus whom I know you, you, you know well, uh, he's going around everywhere talking about this just as you are. but uh, it, is, it is very very frightening, very concerning that um, this, this data, this important data is being is being suppressed.
0: Well, listen, you have the data. You said the number yeah. one cause of death is <clears throat> unknown, right? So we know now from our paper and Macus and Hodgkinson are our co authors, we looked at yeah. every single case that had an autopsy, we had an extensive search, this uh, project was commissioned and approved by University of Michigan, School of Public Health, I'm a graduate of that school, Nick Hulsher is the mm-hmm. first author, 600 papers, we sifted through all of them, got to the autopsy reports, extracted all the information independently Adjudicated the cases. The answer is if someone dies after taking a shot, 73.9% of the time, it's due to the vaccine. This is very important. So it's not cause of death unknown. In Alberta, if they took a shot and they died, there's about a 74% chance it's due to the vaccine. Now, before COVID, death in Alberta, as it were, everyone else was always known. And death is in in Western societies is 40% due to known heart disease, 40% known cancer means we know the diagnosis ahead of time. And then 20% other obvious causes motor vehicle accidents, suicide, homicide, drug overdose, very few cases are unknown. So I can tell you it's not unknown in Alberta. It's Mm -hmm. actually the COVID-19 vaccine until proven otherwise.
1: Let's uh, talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, about the wellness company. Uh, the two gentlemen you just mentioned who are part of that now, this wellness company. And I'm uh, just looking at the advert for it um, uh, from Foster Colson, who's the founder and, and chairman. Um, and it says here that after more than 15 years meeting and building successful businesses, he became aware of a failing medical system. And so the, this new solution is the wellness company. Um, what is the wellness company is the solution to specifically?
0: Wellness company is coming on its first year, first anniversary. I'm the chief scientific officer. I serve in a part-time role. I advise the company, but, uh, it was the brainchild of e-commerce juggernaut. Uh, you know, really incredible family, the Colson family out of British Columbia, you know, Colson aviation, they make some of the fastest planes in the world foster you know, is a part of this um, storied family. And uh, he approached me and uh, other key leaders. We said, we need to do this. We created a virtual healthcare company and it's real. Uh, it's a, a computer uh, application. You go to tfc.health. It's got verticals of health uh, education, nutraceuticals and supplements, uh, telemedicine. We're talking about, you know, engaging with a doctor, a diagnostic tests x-rays prescriptions all the treatment dentistry community dentistry a network of community pharmacies that will always fill the drugs exemptions from vaccines other things you know this is what uh, people have been needing uh, the Canadian division led by uh, Hodgkinson Macus and others uh, now uh, you know in business and uh, it's going to go worldwide I can tell you right now wellness companies recruiting some of the top people in the world. It's incredibly popular. United States is less than $10 a month to be a member. And all the products, very affordable. Physician visits are very affordable. I think they're $60 or less. And it's 24 by seven. Uh, it's really a terrific service. Uh, a lot of people have it as a backup. They have the regular doctor, but they right. have the company as a backup.
1: And it's open to anyone, anyone who wants to, to, to uh, access these services, they just need to uh, visit the website and follow the menus and, and they'll be led to to people within their area if they need a particular uh, like a home visit. But there's also a lot of uh, uh, information there and services that are available online as well, right?
0: That's true. A lot available online. You know, one of the key products is called spike support. Uh, we found out, yeah, people take these shots. They can't get the spike protein out of the body. They feel sick. They got blood clots. Heart damage. I mean, it's an awful thing. It's to last for years. They've got to get rid of the Wuhan spike protein. The, the, the vaccines are a genetic code for the spike protein, the spine on the surface of the virus. That's the dangerous, lethal part of the virus. You actually, people take the vaccines, they got the genetic code for that stuff. Now the spike protein, you got to get it out of the body. Human enzymes don't break it down. Uh, spike support is based on natokinase. That's a japanese innovation it's derived from the fermentation of soybeans by a bacteria bacillus subtilis natto uh, the japanese have been eating natto for about a you know a thousand years for its health benefits for 20 years it's been a cardiovascular supplement it's a mild blood thinner but it digests the spike protein now we add to a two products in a recent paper uh, that we have in, in press right now We add uh, liposomal curcumin, 500 milligrams twice a day and bromelain another family of enzymes, 500 milligrams a day in addition to spike support, which is 2000 units twice a day. So three things, uh, wellness company spike support and we add add in separately uh, curcumin and bromelain. We've got a triple combination. Our uh, clinical experience with this is wonderful. It accelerates the time to where people feel better we get ahead of the curve on the spike protein production. Uh, we're seeing a, a great improvement. Now, I can't make any therapeutic claims because large clinical trials are not even planned yet. But most people say, listen, we can't wait 20 years for this one. People took right. these shots, they regret it. They want to detox. Again, it's base Spike Detox Wellness Company. Spike Support is the first part of that. Add to it curcumin and bromelain.
1: Right, We when we had Dr. Macus on the program, uh, he mentioned the benefits of, for example, like a th- like a three day water fast in terms of uh, trying to 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 renew the the body's natural immune system. Would you agree with that advice, that that could be something that people could do as well?
0: Almost all religions have fasting as a component of their religious practice and it's probably for its health benefits uh, fasting. Uh, has many benefits to the body. One of the things it does is accelerates this process of uh, normal cell turnover called apoptosis, which the cells need to do when they've got the spike protein. So I give credit to Dr. Uh, Paul Merrick at the Frontline Critical Care Network, was the first to propose this. Uh, and this is a reasonable thing. I do it, you know, people can do it as, as, as little on a daily basis, do a 16-hour fast. That means no eating right. from 7 p.m. to 1 p.m or they can go on a full fast, you know, just drinking fluids as Mecca suggested for three, I have a patient right now doing it for five days. So wow. uh, it's possible make sure you you know, you're safe from, a, you know, ask your doctor about it to safe for your condition. Uh, mm-hmm. But that can be part of it. We know other nutraceuticals and supplements can be added. Let me just say, uh, in patients who've taken the vaccine, one of my usual practices is I check for autoimmunity. This is very important. Because the vaccines trigger the immune system over and over again, the immune system can attack its own body. And so there are critical blood tests called the ANA test, the antinuclear antibody, and the ANCA test, the uh, neutrophilic cytoplasmic antibody are important. And if there's autoimmunity, sometimes we use additional drugs like uh, hydroxychloroquine or prednisone. So people have taken the shots. They feel sick, about 15% of people feel sick. So people are listening to this, they've taken the shots, Uh, you know, it's not in your head. You really do feel sick. A Zogby survey showed that and you need help. So I think, uh, you know, whether the doctor can treat these post-vaccine syndromes or they need to go to the wellness company, people should take action.
1: Yeah. You you publish uh, a wonderful um, periodical, I guess, online. That, uh, that I receive, I'm a subscriber to, called uh, Courageous Discourse. And in one of the recent ones that was published actually just earlier this week, uh, there was a piece entitled, COVID-19 Vaccine Induced Cardiac Arrest, The Miracle of Pilot Snow. You wanna talk about this a little bit? I thought this was really fascinating.
0: Tremendous case. I got a chance to meet Bob Snow, a captain for American Airlines, he took the Johnson & Johnson shot against his will in the fall of uh, 2021, and then a few months later suffers a cardiac arrest just as he pulls up an American Airlines jet to the jetway uh, in DFW Airport here in Dallas. And let me tell you, there's hundreds of people on this plane. If he would have had a cardiac arrest you know, 10 minutes earlier, it would have been just a total disaster during the landing. And by the believe it or not by the grace of god and and good luck uh you know i asked him i said was there a doctor there to shock you he goes no he goes i went out he goes literally it was lights out and it turned out when they called 911 the paramedics were at the gate next door dealing with some older lady who was having some medical so they literally just were over there lickety split they got the paddles on they defibrillated him uh took him three shocks they got him back, he didn't suffer any neurologic damage. And then from the hospital where they took him to it was right by the airport. He said, Look, this is what the vaccine did to me. And he's right, it was a vaccine induced cardiac arrest. He uh, uh, had a defibrillator placed and he had a unique type of defibrillator. And I show it in the Substack if anybody's interested, it doesn't go into the heart itself, it doesn't go into the blood vessels, it literally sits below the pectoralis muscle, and it senses the heart, it simply would shock if he had another cardiac arrest. And I learned that you know he can do all kinds of physical activities and uh, unlike a typical patient with an ICD. And uh, I imagine Nick uh, Uichuchu, who, um who is a USC player who had a cardiac arrest probably after the vaccine last year for USC basketball, he has a defibrillator in place and he's back on the team. And now his teammate Bronny James just had a near miss cardiac arrest right. on USC. So USC ought to be pretty used to these cardiac arrests. And I wonder if the players now who are taking the vaccine and suffering cardiac arrests, if they survive, if they're going to get these subcutaneous ICDs and be able to go back and play. Particularly, I wonder if Demar Hamlin has one.
1: Right. Um, this uh, this link between the COVID-19 shot and heart inflammation. Uh, I was reading uh, now there's actually, and this is again from your substack, that there's a CDC safety group that says now there's a a likely link. (laughs) Of course, you've been saying this for a long time, but were you surprised to hear that coming out of the CDC? I mean, they've obviously been resisting the truth about this link for a long time, haven't they?
0: They're pretty late to the party, you know. I point out that the FDA, on their open meeting slides, of which Paul Offit, by the way, was there, Verbeck, uh, <laughs> October 22nd of 2020, they have on their slide that they expect to see myocarditis. This is October uh, of 2020. It's expected that they're going to see it. It's on their slides. So when the FDA comes out with an official warning in in June of 2021 that the vaccines cause myocarditis, every single medical college, every single medical system, every single sports league should have paid attention to the warning. And so for the CDC to come out a year later and say, well, maybe there's a link. The FDA said they caused myocarditis. The, the, The sad part of this is that during COVID, The NCAA, Big Ten Athletic League, the U.S. military, they actually had screening programs for myocarditis with COVID. They didn't find much. It was a handful of cases, uh, no serious hospitalizations or deaths. So COVID itself doesn't cause serious myocarditis. But when the vaccines came in, the FDA said they caused myocarditis. And you know what? None of the sports teams screen for it anymore. So if they were gonna force the players to take the shots, they should have been screening them for myocarditis. The NFL uh, Players Association uh, didn't want the shots. The, The NFL forced it on them after the NFL took money from the Biden administration and HHS called COVID Community Corps money. They felt obligated to force it on the players. Well, if they're gonna force a vaccine on athletes that causes myocarditis, and that started August of 2021, they should have had myocarditis screening. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you as a cardiologist, when there's heart inflammation, we can't let the players exercise because the, the, tr- the surge of adrenaline will trigger a cardiac arrest. We knew that long before COVID. So, um, you know, the case in point that's the saddest case so far is Oscar Cabrera Adamas. I don't know if you're following this case, but. Yes, I read that, about this one. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's a European Foreign League um, basketball player. He takes the shots, has myocarditis, and he has a cardiac arrest on the floor. Face down, he just face plants, he's in full cardiac arrest, they resuscitate him, he survives, and then he tweets out that he has myocarditis due to the vaccine. So this is, now there's complete transparency. While he's trying to return, and then he's on a treadmill in a health center outside the United States, and he has a full cardiac arrest and he dies on the treadmill. Oh, my God! That's yeah. just two years after vaccine induced myocarditis. That case really, really scared me. Now, wow. pilots know his ICD has not gone off. That's great. Hopefully, the US, USC player, Nick Uwechuchu, U- U- hopefully his um, ICD didn't go off. Hopefully, right. Damar Hamlin has one, but who plays for the Buffalo Bills. But the ICDs are there for a reason. And I can tell you, Adamas did not have an ICD, otherwise, it would have saved him.
1: When we had uh, Dr. Hawkinson on the show, he, he mentioned that the boosters actually make it worse because they increase the, the amount of the spike protein that's in the body. And, and I, I was uh, noting an, another uh, piece that you published recently on this uh, Swiss Pro- uh, prospective cohort study demonstrating the frequent heart damage after Moderna mRNA one, two, seven, three boosters. So is is that accurate that that actually people should stay away from, if people have taken, let's say the first two shots, they should stay away from these boosters because with with each booster, it actually will increase their risk of of suffering from this uh, heart inflammation?
0: It's true. Well, first there's a paper by Mansugian from uh, uh, Bangkok, Thailand, showing that uh, with the second shot, uh, children ages 13 to 18, there's about a 2.3% rate of myocarditis or heart damage. Now this paper by Bergen and colleagues from Switzerland, 777 women who are largely women who are nurses, uh, they take the third shot of Moderna and now the rate of heart damage is 2.8%. And two of them actually met a a classification that probably was myocarditis. They didn't actually do MRIs and check on everybody, but, this is really disturbing myocarditis is common it looks like it gets worse with each shot what people need to know is if they tolerated the first two shots fine they shouldn't go out and get a third one sooner or later their number is going to be called up i haven't seen a single player come out and say they took seven shots we again you and i can't think of anybody i think people know in their minds that these aren't safe if these were if these were the elixir of life Everyone would be coming out, telling you they're on their seventh shot. Even President Biden won't do that. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't he come out and say he's on his seventh shot? I think everybody tacitly now understands they're not safe. They are regretful. They're humiliated. They are. um, I think, honestly, I I think they're guilty and they know that their public statements and actions have harmed others.
1: Speaking of Joe Biden, uh, you published a piece uh, expressing concern about public servants like Joe Biden, uh, McConnell, who I, I saw that that really sad uh, video of him suffering, looks like a, a stroke or something, while he was in front of the podium, and of course Diane Feinstein, who are in mental and physical, uh, you know, decline. You joke that you should set, you should set up a, a clinic in in Washington <laughs> D.C. But but uh, but you did express se- serious concern about this—that having these, these people who are who are quite elderly in public service is probably not a really good idea. Is that right?
0: It's true. You, you know, most of these elderly people. You know, they, what Biden, uh, McConnell, and Feinstein have in common—they they each are on their six or served six terms in the U.S. Senate, six years oh. each. Biden was a two term vice president, now a one term president. I mean, that's a long period of time of service. I think what they lose sight of is in the end, they're not thinking about you and me. They're not thinking about the United States or the country they serve. They're thinking about themselves and they're thinking about the legacy that they're going to leave. They're not behaving like they're employees that they report to us, like they're civil servants. Mm -hmm. They're behaving like they're royalty, that they're kings or queens or what have you. I, I think mm-hmm. that's the problem with longstanding public service is they start to lose sight of the public. And to make matters worse, when people get old, they lose insight. They actually don't right. realize that they're not as strong and they're not mentally competent. All of, you know, Anybody listening to this who's in our age group can think of a senior citizen in their circles where they lost insight. Right, right. So if you and I were on a program like this, and I just froze for 30 seconds, without blinking without saying a word, you know, I'd be going to the hospital, you know, thinking it's stroke, or it's a, uh, it's a petite mal seizure or hypoglycemia. I mean, there's a long list of serious things. And that's what I said, I was called on national TV. I was on Fox News. And I, I told America, I said, Listen, I see this in my practice. Uh, these you know these are serious events, and you know look at Biden Biden has moderate cognitive dysfunction. You can tell he yeah. has motor weakness he's fallen multiple times as many senior citizens do you know soon he's going to risk a hip fracture. We've seen yeah. this over and over again he's fallen on a bicycle right on his hip i mean uh it, you know it, 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 you can see the risks uh, that are right there. Look at Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell Mm -hmm. fell in March. He's the House Minority Leader. He fell in March. He's hospitalized with broken ribs and a concussion. Now, four months later, he has this frozen spell. To me, it looked most likely like a petite mal seizure, an absence seizure, Um, but very serious. And then look at Dianne Feinstein. Uh, She uh, uh, develops shingles, but the worst type of shingles, shingles, meningoencephalitis. That means the shingles of aerosol zoster virus invading the brain and the lining around the brain. And then it hits her seventh nerve on the right side and it causes Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. Ramsey-Hunt syndrome is the same vaccine syndrome that Justin Bieber has. She should give Justin Bieber a call or vice versa. You know, all three of these elderly people could have had their syndromes caused by or markedly worsened by COVID-19 vaccination. Mm
1: -hmm. So, I mean, so uh, (laughs) Dr. McCullough, I'm going to ask you this only half jokingly, Uh, since we can rule out advanced age, do do you have any explanation for the obvious mental deficiencies of our Canadian prime minister? (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I can, I can tell you what, he ought to give Bill Gates a call. Bill Gates and, and Trudeau have something in common, and that's a bad marriage. And I can tell you what, the spouses are seeing this, and they're seeing, seeing changes in their husbands, and, and they see streaks of, of malevolence. Uh, they see streaks of, of, for lack of a better word, evil and and they have to get away they have to get away and uh do you remember when uh trudeau goes on this rant he's wearing a letter jacket and he goes oh yes if if if, if that's one of them (laughs) who's unvaccinated sits next to somebody vaccinated on a plane i mean he you could tell he lost his marbles the vaccines do not even work so I, i can tell you there's a big element of psychological fear and he just can't handle it. Do you remember, he, you know, Trudeau took the shots and then he gets COVID. I mean, how yeah. humiliating is
1: that? More than one, more than once he's gotten COVID. Yeah, you know? oh,
0: I think one of the worst is, did you ever see that interview where Anderson Cooper took all these shots and then Bill Gates took these shots? Then Anderson asked Bill Gates, well, we took all these shots, we both got COVID together. he <laughs> said, Bill, are we done? Are we done taking shots? And then Gates, who's not a doctor, says, well, I think to be sure, we should take more shots. <laughs> I mean, yeah. historians are going to write about this stuff. You yeah. started out with all these regrettable statements, and you just said you can't find a single regrettable statement I've made. Yeah. I've made 15 million statements according to a Google search engine. Right. I've made tens of thousands of Written profiles, uh, videos, etc. You can't find one. How can that be? How how could I have a flawless track record in my statements, and how can these other people make such giant erroneous?
1: Oh, maybe errors? maybe only one of you is committed to telling the truth. Um, and in that vein, you become somewhat involved in this connection between the medical, uh, you know, the medical world and and uh, constitutional freedom. And uh, there was a publication um, by your foundation. This is by uh, Mr. Leake. Uh, But you've you've also been involved in in some litigation. And you talked about a landmark lawsuit concerning wrongful death during pandemic hospitalization. So is part of your work now sort of expanding out not just from hardcore uh, research that you do and all your publications, but also getting involved in some of the, the resulting li- uh, uh, lawsuits and litigation on behalf of people, for example, like Mr. Hartman, uh, whose, whose son was killed, mm. uh, who, who died because of vaccination. Is that part of what your work is, is expanding out into now? Or do you, do you want to talk about that?
0: Yeah, sure. The McCullough Foundation is a a big advance. Uh, It's fully 501c3 tax-deductible donations. McCullough Foundation, uh, mcculloughfnd.org. It does support uh, my legal efforts. I'm a a witness now, pro bono witness in over 100 cases. I'm a plaintiff or defendant in about 12. I was a highly sought-after medical expert witness long before COVID. I was in some of the highest profile medical cases in the country, including intellectual property cases. So I know my way around the courtroom. Uh, I've, uh, you know, I'm involved in multiple Canadian cases at this point in time. And with my publication track record, I mean, who's going to challenge it? We've already kind of gone through that. I've already published more on COVID than anybody uh, that you're going to bring up to, you know, to be a, an opposing witness. And not only that, but I'm in practice, I've treated COVID patients. I published the first one to publish how to treat it. I'm publishing the first methods on how to treat the vaccine injuries. My track record has been flawless. People have tried to take different strikes against me. It hasn't worked. I just continue to cite the data like I did today. I know the facts Mm -hmm. and I've been honest. I've been honest with America, Canada uh, Canada, and the world on this. So
1: Dr. McCullough, before you go, I just want to quickly mention a couple of your books. You mentioned one of them, The Courage to Face COVID-19. This is a book that was published uh, in May of last year. Uh, it's available on Amazon, anywhere that you buy books. Uh, uh, and uh, this is uh, the story of doctors who developed a safe and effective early treatment for COVID-19 and their battle with the biopharmaceutical complex f- to, to suppress it. And then there's, there's a second book, which is The Next Wave is Brave. And that seems to be what you're, you were just talking about. standing up for the you know standing up for medical freedom this is a book you just published last fall uh with some with some other uh authors so i I just mentioned those in addition to the foundation uh people are watching this taking this in please check out those two books i've read the first one i haven't yet gotten to the next wave is brave but i read the courage to face COVID 19 it's just a brilliant book uh really really enhanced my understanding of some of the things that Dr. McCullough was talking about today.
0: Well, thank you so much. I have to ask you: courage to face COVID nineteen. Was it a slow read or a fast read?
1: It was slow. Uh, I'm not a medical person, uh, and oh, so I had okay. to go through it. I had, I had to spend some time. I was helped by the fact that I read two other books: the Bregan book that you talked about, mm-hmm. and also uh, and also the book that was that was published by I think a group of authors, uh, the, the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. book. Uh, the the real Anthony Fauci, yeah, and you 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 worked a lot on that book. My, is my understanding uh,
0: I'm the yeah, I mean? most frequently mentioned doctor in those. But but you know, courage to face COVID nineteen is the only book in the COVID era that's written by a best selling author, John Leake, and it has yeah, a beginning, right. a middle, and an end, and it's a story. So it's the only yeah. one that you can actually read as a story, as a page turning yeah, kind that, of. That printing, is true.
1: Turning that, and
0: that, uh, yeah. uh, others are basically a timeline or some type of yeah. evidence timeline, and so sometimes. What people say is, listen, I want to read a story. I want to just yeah. be able to, to get through it. And so most people do think that it moves along. Uh, looks like it's going to be a major motion picture, which is really exciting. Oh,
1: great. And
0: um, yeah, it's going to be the only one that'll be a motion picture. So if, if, if people want to learn about what's going on, they want it in a, in a way that's going to be fun and pick it up and read. It's not a boring medical book. It's no, it about, it's you know, it's about it's about a real struggle. And I just want to encourage your audience: visit my personal website, Peter McCullough, MD. That'll take you everywhere. I've got the top accounts on on Twitter, Getter Truth Social, LinkedIn, McCullough Foundation, McCulloughFND.org. Uh, that will tell you the mission statement, all of our critical work on uh, on analysis, education, public policy in this legal interface. I think we're going to go through a long justice phase now. Mm-hmm. And, and you're going to see it. I think finally the attorneys will, will fire up. They're looking mm-hmm. for the top top experts. You know, I'm very busy. As you mentioned, I've testified yes. in, in so many state uh, venues now, and I, I keep getting more and more requests. People say, listen, we, we can't have this happen again.
1: Thank you, sir. It was our pleasure having you as our special guest.
0: Thank you so much hey. for having me. Sure.